Hi, welcome to Lease FM. I am joined today by Arnie Parrott, uh, but I know him as Dylan Robertson. Um, he is a writer, musician, comedian, renaissance man, literally, because he works at the Ren Fair, and that's how I met him. Hello, Arnie. Hey, how you doing, Lise? Great. Thanks so much for coming in. How you, how you feeling today? I'm great. I, as we discussed, have had too much caffeine and not enough substantial food. Mm-hmm. Which I think Wait, get it, a little closer to the microphone. Okay, there. I can get a little. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, there you go. That's how it's supposed to sound. You can move okay. it a little closer to your face if you'd like. This is tantalizing yep. listening. Mm-hmm. Now there you yes, go. Good. Okay. Excellent. So, um, how are you today? I'm great. I am over-caffeinated and having a wonderful time. As my you should be. eyes are beginning to vibrate out the front of my head. <laughs> which should make for very good listening, I imagine. Yes, excellent. Um, well, you've done a lot around mm-hmm. in and around the theater, improv, music, scene in Chicago um, and beyond. Why don't yeah. you tell me a little bit about what you've, what hands you've got in which pots now? I mean, I do. I, I sort of consider myself like a hired gun. I'm like a catch-all for, for tons of stuff. So I do MDing music direction at like uh, IO and Second City and stuff like that, playing along with sketch and improv shows uh, as a pianist in that. Uh, I do some directing and I do some like, I guess you'd call it, quote, consulting, you know, where you go into someone else's show and just offer a... You're like, that sucks. Night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's usually, <laughs> it's my first note generally yeah. is um, is that sucks. But some of that, and but mostly what I do is I write music. That's sort of the main job that I have. And even that is... is you know, it, it's, it's, it ties into a million other things. But I write for sketch or for dance companies or theater companies or a musical, you know, or podcasts. I'm writing a lot for podcasts, actually. I've written, I've written seven podcast themes this year. Really? Can you believe it? Which shows? Um, oh, boy. Uh, there's a show, a lot of, there's a, there's a network called the One Shot Podcast Network in Chicago that does a lot of... Um, their board game D&D nerd folk, which is my people and uh <laughs> so i wrote there's a thing called warda which is a a like a role-playing podcast that's sort of set in this steampunky uh world and and so i wrote this fun like cr- they asked me for a cross between game of thrones and downton abbey so i wrote this Ooh. sort of bizarre hovercraft sounding or uh not hovercraft airship sounding um, thing for that. A few, like a, my cousin started a sports podcast, and a couple friends of mine do improv or sketch podcasts about sort of the community or other things like that. And so I'll write for that. And yeah, that's it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff, and it's fun. And on the outset, let's let's scale back maybe 10, 15 years ago when you were just getting started. What oh. what was the start? What was the big? Who made you want to? I guess we're starting the influences portion of the show. Yeah. Why did you want to start doing this crazy? Awesome, fun, but crazy. I mean, that's, it's, it's a it's a it's a bizarre line of of it's the path of least resistance is what it ends up being the path of least resistance. Uh-huh. That's, I should have oh, worked your damn, name to that's got to be a podcast. Yeah, there you go. Pat, <laughs> you're writing it down. Good. Yep, I expect a hundred dollars a day for the rest of my life. <laughs> yes. um, it's it, it. I started doing theater when I was in like seventh or eighth grade and started acting in musicals. Uh, I'd been a musician sort of my whole life because my dad's a jazz guitarist and um, we always had music in the house. Uh, a long sort of 
line of things happened, and I ended up realizing that I, I went to school for theater, uh, to college in Stevens Point. I, I was studying acting, and I realized I didn't actually enjoy it very much. I enjoyed, I didn't like people telling me what to do, which is sort of kind of a selfish thing to say, but um, I enjoyed directing a lot more, and, and I enjoyed sort of being in charge of stuff and having an artistic say in the way a show went. And um, the other thing I had was, was a strong urge to storytell and a strong musical background. And I realized that I could use these things, plus having a theater degree uh, uh, to my advantage and be able to be sort of a go-between for, you know, how is music supposed to function in a show? How is it supposed to function as an art form, as a medium to convey the things that a director or, or someone in charge of something wants it to, to convey? And so I sort of had a unique set of skills for that, and I kept getting work in that field instead of in acting or directing or all these other things that I sort of went to school for. And I went, well, then I guess this is my job now. Like, I'm making more writing and composing and adapting than I am doing anything else. And I like it more, and people like me more when I do it, as opposed to acting and all that other stuff, which I was probably pretty unpleasant to watch. <laughs> I'm sure that's not true. Mm-hmm. But hey, you found your niche, and you've stuck to it. Um, what what are you working on right now, right this minute? Uh, I've got a bunch of a bunch of small things. I music directed a music directing a show at the Second City called Big Little Waffle Fries, which is like a cross between Big Little Lies and Into the Woods. Oh, got um, it. Yeah, and is there um, a question mark at the end of it? Big no, there's a question fries? mark. At the, there's a question mark at the end of me saying it because okay. I wasn't sure it w- I was right. <laughs> Um, and then I'm playing for a few small improv shows uh, at like the playground and at IO, and I'm writing a bunch of podcast themes. Um, Sweet. I'm just down here to pitch myself as a, if you guys need a podcast theme. Right. That's really well, why I came on the show. I'm gonna have to show. start thinking about That's it. That's right. The path of least resistance. Good. Oh, it needs. Oh, it's got lyrics already. <laughs> wow. Made my job easier. <laughs> um, and also cool. the Renaissance Fair. Yes. That, when that happens, as soon as summer shows up and I have to do that, um, um, that becomes m- a large majority of my life just because it's almost impossible to do anything else because of how exhausting that is as a, as a job. Yeah, I can imagine. Tell so, me about why, wh- where you got that from, that character. Where did, why did you, you get s- that from? Where did you get that job? Oh, How'd boy. You so we're going to we're gonna zap back in time once again to, to probably 2008. Uh, I was in college doing the acting thing and um, one of my friends Jimmy Freer who is also aka as large in Barely Balanced for those of you who go to the Renaissance Fair um, uh, he was doing a street character there and we sort of had an improv group and he said hey you and he dragged me and several other people down to an audition like a general audition in Milwaukee to audition for the then artistic director of the Renaissance Fair we all got cast um, and all of us all like six of us commuted down every week from Stevens Point, which is like a three and a half hour, three and a half hour drive. Uh, and so this was 10 years ago. This is my 10th season doing this. And the first year I played a colorful, or first two years I did street character work where it was just more improv based doing, I was Basil Frodsworth, a professional spy for the queen and terrible at his job my first year. Uh, the second year I was Arnesium Phosphate, an alchemist and inventor who blew himself up nonstop. I bought a whole bunch of fireworks and, you know, really went all out uh, on that particular bit. And then uh, I, this is around the time that I realized music was a thing that I should be doing. And so my third year there, uh, I was asked by the street director, because I also wasn't, it's, it's, it, it, it wasn't, I was losing a lot of money doing it and so 
I try to figure out like what can I do and, and as soon as you can take tips at a fair you can actually break even because there's a lot of people coming through and if you offer something people want they'll give you a dollar which which I love <laughs> yeah. I love that just totally. so direct um, <laughs> if they don't like what you do they will walk away and probably swear at you but uh, <laughs> but so I started writing sort of vaguely renaissance sounding songs uh, and playing them around on this character that I created named Dylan Robertson. And I only chose Dylan Robertson because I thought it was funny to have Bob Dylan backwards, right? Robertson, Dylan Robertson. Ah, you see, it's sort of an obscure connection. Duh, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's not really very good. But um, at the time, using a character name was, was something that I wanted to do because it was... Uh, just a thing I was doing for fun. I didn't imagine it would become a big part of my life, and so I didn't. And I certainly didn't think I'd be a career musician. So I didn't think I would need to tie my Renaissance Fair career to my music career. So Dylan Robertson instead of Arnie Parrott, which is arguably a much better, more interesting, and more compelling thing that people want to see. Dylan Robertson is just boring and weird, but but Arnie Parrott sounds sounds compelling. I think so. Yeah, that's how I started doing it. And then every year I tried to write one or two more songs and, and put them out there and, and then started working the things that I wrote here in Chicago up into my material up there and, and ended up with just a lot of a very eclectic and esoteric selection of songs. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, it's true, for sure. I mean, you play a ton of different kind of like genres in your little yeah. Ren Faire show. I've never seen you anywhere else besides my, the Ren My little Ren Faire show. <laughs> I uh, mean, no, it's yeah, sweet. Right. It is really sweet, and it's all acoustic and on like a cute little stage by a little fountain. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. We we, get, we end up in, in cute. It's a magical renaissance village, and I get to dress up like a total weirdo and play <laughs> songs that I wrote, and that's not, that's a job. Yeah. I'm at work right. when I'm doing that. And that's there are great. camels mm -hmm. and a queen <laughs> and mimes yep. and that's Belly my dancers. job yeah yeah there's no we don't have any of this fancy gear laying around yeah you know, we don't have equipment right computers. Um, um i'm trying to think of because we were talking about influences yes first and i'm one. sure okay is bob dylan an influence N you know of course it's, yeah. it's impossible for him not to be but he's not I'm, I'm going for like the things that would have affected me the most as a songwriter. And so okay. I try to distill the things that are important to me. So r composing is obviously important. Uh, comedy is obviously important. Storytelling is very important. Uh, sort of political social awareness is very important to me as well as uh, some other st uh, things like that. Sort of being conscious and aware of the world we totally. live in. Totally, yeah. Um, and so for me, musically, so I was going to talk about the Beatles. And then I listened to your dad's episode. He yeah. talked about the Beatles. Uh -huh. It's like we've done this. Everyone talks about the Beatles because they're everyone's influence. Uh, I will say the first two albums that I, I loved the Beach Boys. Okay. I, I listened to nonstop 50s and 60s radio and mm -hmm. I would hear Me Beach too. Boys songs all the time. Hopelessly in love. And so for Christmas one year I asked my dad for a Beach Boys album and my dad uh, this will tell you what kind of person it is he is. He's like, he's like absolutely. And so for Christmas I got a Beach Boys album. I got Pet Sounds, and um, I'm so excited. Ooh, a Beach Boys album. Yes, yes. And I flip it over and I look at the back and I'm like, I don't. Fun, fun, fun is not on here. Oh. California Girls <laughs> is not on here. Like, what are these songs? I've never heard of any of these. Dad, 
What the hell? Why would you do this to me? These, this is not yeah. the music I like. And he's like, well, just give it a listen. And I listen to it. And, and you know, I'm like, God only knows. What is this garbage track? Right. This is a little uh-huh. old lady from Pasadena. Uh, that. And, and I also got at the same time Rubber Soul. So these are the two albums that I got. These are my first two CDs that I owned. Wow. Which is a pretty good start. For sure. You know, so. you know, if uh, you were stranded on an island, like yeah, I'd say there those we go. Were two I could go back to being 12. Yeah. Uh, opening up and being, and the best part, being so disappointed. You know, just like, <laughs> Who are the Beatles? What is this garbage? So uh, eventually I wore out Pet Sounds from listening to it so much. And I still hadn't listened to Rubber Soul because I loved Sloop John B. That was my favorite one. It just had so many harmonies in it. So I'd listen to Sloop John B. on Pet Sounds over and over and over again, much to the chagrin of everyone who had to spend more than four minutes with me. (laughs) Um, And uh, after that CD wore out, I put in this dumb Beatles CD that I was just not interested in. And got sort of the same thing you know you got uh, tight harmonies and and sort of interesting musicianship uh which at the time i certainly didn't appreciate but it was already sort of setting a building block so i would definitely cite those two albums as big influences to me but what i'm going to do is then sort of jump this forward to the the, the 90s cool when i'm growing up yeah because the beatles are my influence they're also you know my dad's and like all this other stuff but the first band that i found by myself that to me was very much like the beatles is and get your laugh track ready. Okay. Uh, this was the Bare Naked Ladies. Um, so I <laughs> loved we had their, their work. We had their drummer on a couple weeks ago. Really? Yeah. Kevin Hearn is the bassist. Hold on. You had their drummer on? Yeah, let me look. I got to look up his name. <laughs> Did he sit here? No, he was just on the phone. Oh, what? Which phone? Can I touch uh, it? Downstairs. Oh, I'm going to Okay, so go. where, where, why? So I found the Bare Naked Ladies. <laughs> it's, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, um, I found the Bare Naked Ladies there and... Um, they did a lot of stuff. So, so Tyler f- from the Bare Naked Ladies. Tyler, yes. Okay. Of course. Um, so, very cool dude. Uh, so I'm told. The, the, I, I started listening to the Bare Naked Ladies for a couple of reasons. Firstly, it had that tight harmony thing that the Beatles were doing. And in fact, Paul McCartney himself actually said this. Like, this is crazy. Like, in the 90s, early 2000s, he said, if there's a band out there that's doing what we did, it's the Bare Naked Ladies. And everyone, he's Paul freaking McCartney. And people were like, what? Don't be so silly. They're just like a funny pop band. Right. But they're not really. Like, they're they're clever uh, very like f- almost too clever for their own good writers, and everyone knows one week, and everyone knows uh, if I had a million dollars and all these sort of funny tracks. But their 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 other deeper, weirder cuts are sort of they get political, they get sort of uh, they get they 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 don't. There's no genre they don't play in over four or five albums, and, and it's it's really cool to listen to. And the writing is lyrically dense and smart and good use of, of poetry and things like that but but the harmonies and the and the tight musicianship is very reminiscent of the Beatles every track there's there's no chorus or no nothing that doesn't have four part harmony on it which is you know in the 90s maybe not as common as it was in the 60s or 70s when when you had everyone singing and to have Tyler who's your um uh who, who can sing you know or a drummer who can sing and a bassist who can sing and, and all that stuff is is relatively rare for a band I think um, so I think they were definitely, if we're citing influence, it has to be, they have to be on the list. So have you seen them? No. Did you? No? No, I've done, I did a cover of one of their songs last year. They did this weird Easter song called The Rabbit and the Resurrection, which oh. is really sort of a, <laughs> sort of a, sort of a confused, like a, being like, wait, how did we get 
from Jesus to rabbits. Right. How did this happen? So that's what the song is is about. Huh. And so my friends and I did a little cover of it that they that the Bare Naked Lady shared on their Facebook Ooh. page. And, uh, and that's kind of like seeing who, them. Yeah, it's kind of like I saw them. Right. No big deal. <laughs> I saw them on Ed Robertson tour. call me. Um, <laughs> but but that was that was a that was a a thing. I've I've seen a lot of their like. I've watched their concerts on right. YouTube, you know, because we live in that era. Yeah. Um, and they're still producing stuff. They lost a member. Um, they lost their lead singer a few years ago. Um, but but they're still doing stuff, and I still play their songs because I just think they're really cool. They're really trendy and or really uh, smart and capable. For so sure. Things. Totally. Um, so... Okay, so that was like what era? Was that like high school that you got yes, into Yes, that would have been early. That would have been high school. Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And then when did the, the theater kind of stuff come into play? Or would well, you list any particular play or playwright as, as your a big influence? Or, or You know, musical? I thought about this. I thought about this so hard. Yeah. And I cannot think of, there's a lot of playwrights I admire. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of playwrights I think are very cool. But I can't think of one really that is like, to me, shaped my worldview you know or or didn't or did a lot for me like like and I think that has to do with like I like theater as a medium but it was it's it I thought it was something I really like to do uh, not, not that something I really like to do but I thought it meant a lot more to me than it actually mm-hmm. does you know totally. and that's just growing up and realizing what you like and what you don't um and so I don't know like Martin McDonough is an amazing playwright. I love his work and I love his movies. He did, he did In Bruges and he did Oh god, um, that's such a good movie. Yeah, In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths mm-hmm. uh, and as well as writing The Pillow Man and like um The Cripple of Inishman. Like those are probably he's probably one of my favorite playwrights, but even he like like I had just have an admiration for him. I didn't like Draw think anything. about yeah, I didn't think about how he wrote when I was working. Yeah, for sure. Um Theatrically, I mean, obviously, I like Shakespeare a lot. I was big into that, and that was that was um, a, a big influence for me. But 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 once again, it's not. That was more like I fell into it when oh, this is cool, and it sort of ticks a lot of boxes for me in terms of its its smart words, its good drama, its you know a lot of sort of intellectual stuff, which was what I was craving. But I still don't, you know, I don't try to write like William Shakespeare. Yeah. You know, like a, it's it's sort of, you know, he he functions super well as as a piece of history that was ahead of his time and shaped a lot of stuff, but you don't like try to jump back to the 1500s and mimic what he did. You know, you can learn from it sure, but but you're not it's not didn't uh play too much into my style. Yeah. Um I think the next influence for me and this is also in in high school would have been Eminem. I'm, I was I got into rap pretty big too, and um, Eminem was just the first one that I latched onto and went, oh, this is really cool. But from there, I discovered uh, Tupac and Biggie and and a lot of other. Um, I listened to pretty much everything that was available to me in in the late '90s, early 2000s, and continued on sort of paying more attention to newer rappers. Now I like Kendrick a lot and Chance, of course. Um, Never really got into Kanye. Wrote a whole thing about Kanye. I wrote a whole story about how I'm the person that missed the Kanye train and yeah. that I just don't get it and I feel terrible right. for having not understood oh, it ever. Okay. Yeah, I know. You know, but no like college dropout or You know, so I did a whole thing. I listened to his entire discography back to front and this was right after Yeezus came out. Okay. And I listened to the whole thing and I liked College Dropout. Yeah. I, I liked the first two albums that I thought I thought they were really smart. And then something happened and I think he went crazy. And I think his mom died, you know, is, is realistically what happened in his life and 
something just sort of flicked, mm-hmm. a switch clicked, and, and he just started writing things that were, to me, assonant gibberish. Like, he started writing, I'm like, oh, these words fit together, but they don't actually mean anything. Yeah. Like, he just took a bunch of vowels and went, I'm going to put these right in a row, and it's going to sound cool. And you're like, yes, it does, but what does it mean? Does it mean? Yeah, totally. Um, so what about Eminem? Why, what about his writing or about his delivery? You know, it was it was the it was the breakup of what, what a... Uh, you know, I was sort of, I was listening to a lot of 60s and 70s music and like the Beatles and stuff like that. And so that's like, you're listening, it's, you know, you're in a four count and it's going, like super simple, like your words go there, the melody goes there. But with Eminem, if it's in a four count, it's like, so like he's, 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 he's hitting these weird flows. And so like, how a line can be structured and where the rhymes can fall within a line. You know, it, it, he taught me a ton about internal rhyming, which now I value a great deal. You know, the ends of lines, rhyming is a nice bookend, but it's cooler if you can snag a whole bunch of words and, and, and fit them. And, and it's like a puzzle. You're putting together like, like, a, like a crossword puzzle where how do these words and these vowel sounds and these letters over multiple thoughts and ideas continue to sort of flow between each other and not just at the end of lines all the way through the middle um, of the work you know and if you look at like the first what is it the first verse of lose yourself you know the entire thing is his whole rhyme scheme for that entire verse is bop dope dot go don't bot so so bot you know and he does that for a minute like a minute and 15 seconds of the same ridiculous two vowels but it's and it so rhymes good. Them, but it's so good and yeah. he says so much and he, and he doesn't repeat I think he repeats a few times but like he doesn't repeat a lot of rhymes and he sort of uh, you know it, it pushed me to think well what if lyrically you you were doing this like what if what if every and everything I write I took as much care even if I didn't have that many words like if I tried to take as much care as he put into forming a single line to write a song like 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 if I tried to use that what is that do and now when I write I'm super careful about you know there's words that just sound wrong and there's words that don't fit and I go I need to find a synonym or I need to rewrite this sentence because it's just not gonna to me I don't think it matters to anybody except for me like I don't think anyone else cares but but I listen to it and I go no 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 no. you can't have that word be here because I haven't used that vowel and it just stands out just sticks out like a weird word that sounds wonky for sure. Well, while we're there, let's talk a little bit about your writing process. However, I know that's a very packed yeah. thing, but um, what, and you write lots of different types of music, so yeah. maybe it varies from style to style. You know, it actually doesn't that much. Um, I, I, the only, so it, it's more about what a song is about. That's, that's, that's how my style differs. So um, if I'm writing something that's, that's pretty narrative, if I'm writing something that's more story oriented, you know, I do basically what I think I try to write the beginning of the song and I try to write the end of the song and then I try to just the middle of it connects these two dots um so like you're familiar with well maybe I should play something yeah why don't you okay. play something um while we were talking yeah. about Shakespeare and rap yeah why don't we do that okay, um cool. so this is a let good... me set up that microphone for you unless it sounds good does it sound it good tell me put some picks on here. How yeah, about I do that? Yeah, do that. And then I might just inch that a little closer. Oh, yeah. She thinks she's going to come lower the stand oh, a little bit. That's fine. I can also do this. Should we just lower this thing? Yeah, I think just lower okay, it cool. This is a, like a loud guitar, too. So. 
adjust accordingly on the board. Okay, I'm gonna like have to scooch a little. Oh, here I can scooch that microphone closer to you. I can also do it with my. I have a college degree. Aha. So, um, how does it sound? Sounds good. So this is um, I wrote this. uh, This is one of the first things I wrote for the fair, actually, uh, because it was also the first rap I've written. I've written plenty more since then, but this was the first time I thought, hey, maybe I'll give that a try. Um, And this contains a lot of that stuff that is is important to me in writing because it was formative. This is, believe it or not, a formative track, so uh, I like that. So for those of you who don't know, it's about William Shakespeare. Uh, He's a playwright and a poet. You probably all know that. Uh, But he, I thought if you took that metered poetry, you could add rap beats to it and do something super super white. So, um, this is about him. It's very, uh, pretentious. Okay. I'm gonna write like William Shakespeare. I'm gonna make some rhymes. I wanna write prose that everybody knows that's quoted till the end of time. And I'm gonna write like William Shakespeare. I'm gonna make my name as the kind of college geek who it's his motherfying peak to bring Elizabethan beats into the rap game. Alright, this is where it gets weird, so here we go. Uh, first thing to notice, nobody really knows how he wrote it. The golden odix of the god of the globe. How could some podunk punk with no educational potency make a big damn chunk of some pro poetic codices? Skeptics say that he's faking, it must be bacon who made him. Or a posthumous Marlowe created Shakespeare's greatest plays and played him up and down London town. For the queen, why not the king of the innuendo? Should you catch what I mean? Because he's slipping the subtle smut. Double dose of the double meaning now. I don't mean any trouble. But each couplet's got my cutlass gleaming out of its sheath Yalir is naked on the heath A simple rustic to teeth brings me sweet relief Cause sword does not mean sword and hit does not mean hit An honorific abilitude and tatabus that doesn't mean shit So don't be scared by his words cause they're thick and hard You gotta look them up to get down with the bark Am I'm gonna write like Will Shakespeare I'm gonna make some rhymes And I wanna write prose that everybody knows This quoted till the end, I quoted till the end of time I gotta write like Will Shakespeare I'm gonna make my name As the kind of college geek who it's his motherfucking peak to bring Elizabethan beats into the rap game. Yeah, writing mode engage. Now I got my paper. There's nothing on it. So tell me how will this phage can't even write a page, much less 30 plays and 200 sonnets. So fire upon it, I'm thrilled because Will's still iconic. Yeah, he's real and he's honest and he's filled with the phonics. His ability still instill millions of comments. Yeah, Bill's filled with sheer force of will and I want it. But back to what I was trying to write. Try again with the pen. Don't intend to pretend the end is in sight. 6 a.m. comes again. Bring in window break and light. I'm writing for a dozen days. But this ain't 12th night. Cause if music be the food love, my love's badly malnourished. Punchline, I give a flourish. Cause no matter how hard I try to keep rhyming like Will, you know I always seem to end up with a couple extra sill. Uh, God damn it. I'm gonna write like Will Shakespeare. I'm gonna make some rhymes and I wanna write prose. Everybody knows this quote it till the end, to quote it till the end of time. I gotta write like Will Shakespeare. I'm gonna make my name as the kind of college geek who it's his motherfucking peak to bring Elizabethan beats into the rap game. Nice. Woo. Thanks. Love thanks, it. Thanks, thanks. Love Hold it. On, set this guitar down. Do it. Perfect. Um, yeah, so that's that's a good example of, of kind of what I thought. You know, you can look at that. If we, if we break it down break, uh, bit by bit, you can hear sort of, you know, I try to start with, first thing to notice, nobody really knows how we wrote it. The golden odix of the god of the globe, right? Those are like, that's a lot of internal rhyming fitting in those two things. It's not rhyming at the end. How could some podunk? is still rhyming with the previous line. Punk with no educational potency, still rhyming with the first two lines. Big damn chunk of some pro poetic codices is still rhyming with the first couple. Um, and and that's what I was trying to do. And it took me longer to write that song than it's taken me to write any song ever. Really? Since. 
It's just, it, I mean, it's, it's because it's just piece by piece. You're trying to s assemble this thing, you know, and it's like, it's, it's a lot of work to try to get right. Um, yeah. Especially because it was my first time ever writing rap. And so I, th I write a lot faster now. Um, so, so if I were to try to write a song of a similar complexity now, I think I'd, I'd do it a lot quicker. But for my first one, I just remember sitting on my back porch for just like hours tweaking just this line, this line, this line, that line, this line, you know, just trying to uh, slide them around and make them fit and figure out where I'm breathing on top of all of it and then figure out how to play the damn thing on the guitar because I wasn't even a good guitarist at the time. So, I, so trying to sing it and play it and do all this stuff. And when I first started, I think it was just like... Like, I'm gonna write like William Shakespeare. It was taking it was like five minutes to get through the song, and I was like, <laughs> it was, it was horrifying. It wasn't horrifying, but I think people got pretty bored yeah. halfway through. And then it, when you speed it up, it becomes impressive. And as long as you can keep diction good, uh, people like that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so uh, believe it or not, I'm influenced by Eminem. Did that sound like it at all? Yeah, sounds, I believe it. Yeah, right. It's, we it's should send that track to Eminem. See great. What he thinks. Yeah, I'm sure that's what he wants. Yeah, exactly. He's thinking, God, I sure hope I inspired some upper middle class white kid to write about something, some Shakespeare stuff, <laughs> and uh, perform it at a Renaissance and perform it at a Renaissance fair, <laughs> and then on WGN's The Least I Can Do. Yes. Oh, hey, good one. <laughs> Love it. All day. I can keep doing this. Please do, because I need generating. any more podcasts to start. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, just keep coming up with. So, <laughs> sublease, that's one of them. Oh, that's yeah. so good. Um, that one that's going to be, oh, go ahead. I what do you gonna, think it should be I about? I was going to say that could be about you um, going undercover and trying out all the crappiest apartments you find. On Craigslist? Or yeah, just like anything really? you find that's like, no one should live here. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to assume the role of, you know, and, and whatever, and just go try to figure out what, all the things that are wrong with it and document it. I like it. And then out the landlords to your tens of listeners right yes. exactly my mom and dad <laughs> yay you know they'll be very supportive exactly um okay cool so that was great because that wrapped in a little bit of shakespeare Look, you said wrapped in i did nice damn it work. oh god <laughs> <laughs> um with eminem which who thought who would have thunk who would have thunk it um so moving on what what's next on your old list um well we've so we covered music uh, pretty well but yeah. and, uh, so I was trying to think of formative comedy influences and there's a lot there too but I think definitely the, the first and foremost is Monty Python um, it's just hard for me to escape both I mean all the movies and having that like all the sketches like it was sort of my first introduction to sketch comedy was 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 Monty Python and so did you watch it on PBS or did you have like the DVD definitely set? watched it on PBS definitely got a DVD set you know I'm sure my dad at some point sprung for that mm -hmm. or uh, would borrow it from friends you know I was into it once again before the internet was like a really useful tool yeah. for finding stuff now right. I can just I literally the other night was trying to remember a line and just I looked up the line which line was it um, it was the in the dead parrot sketch trying to remember um, this parrot has ceased to be it is no more there's like this whole thing he says and I was trying to remember the last one <laughs> yeah and so I just like googled it and not only did I come up with the transcript for the sketch but also I could click on the words and it would pull up the YouTube video at that exact spot oh my because god because it's 2017 yeah true and, and you know my phone talks to space <laughs> um, my favorite um, is the cheese shop oh. sketch Gosh, so good. Every, I mean, it's just like every time someone says that's my favorite one, I go, oh yeah, it's my yeah, favorite right. too. And they're like, oh no, wait, no, I like this. Oh yeah, I like that one too. All of them. So I, yeah, like the movies, the 
Everything. everything. I mean, it, everything. And and that was sort of, you know, that's absurdist comedy, too, which which at the time, you know, for a kid, like, I'd been exposed to sort of, you know, American weird, you know, you know, still good comedy, but, like, I hadn't seen anything that was sort of surreal. And sort of surrealist comedy, I still, to this day, like, love that style. where Because it, it's different. If you listen to bad surrealist comedy, it sounds like people just saying the weirdest thing they can think of, which is funny for you know approximately three and a half minutes and then it <laughs> yeah. really gets old very yeah, fast totally but the people who do it well it's like it's surreal but it's a caricature you know it ties to something in reality that you just can't like it's still grounded by this loose loose thread and it's still like it's not plausible per se but you can see where the origin is it's not just people saying Dwarves are funny with their baggy eyes and their elf hair. You know, it's not just like it's. It's just if you say that, it's like good. You used a bunch of cool words, yeah. and that's funny. But like, if it's if it's a character sort of grounded in weird stuff, it's it's a good, it's a it's a good comedy. It's a good choice. Um, there's some other podcasts. Have you ever listened to like Super Ego no. or Comedy Bang Bang? Oh yeah, Comedy, comedy Bang Bang. Bang, Bang. For yeah, sure. that's 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 more sketch oriented. But some of the guys from that did do a podcast called Super Ego, which well, it's not really happening too much anymore. But they do crazy weird improv, yeah. and, and their whole thing is like it's psych case studies for these bizarre characters. Oh, and they get some, you know, they got Patton Oswalt on. They've gotten some pretty big names to do it, and they're big names themselves, yeah. sort of in the industry. Um, but that sort of style of just these weird people being weird is very cool to me. Very interesting. What's your dream? Like, what sketch would you have wanted to be on? Oh, man. Honestly, I, I can't pick one. I, I For me, I just would have liked to be there for the creation process. Like, for no matter what it was. Like, I would have liked to been in be in the room when they're talking about doing, like, if they're, when they're talking about how King Arthur's going to defeat the Black Knight. Like, like what is this? Like, did they improvise it? Were they just riffing? Did they sort of have a cool idea? You know, I, I think just being in the process for any of it, like, it could be some of my least favorite work, and I still would, would want to be there to watch them sort of make it, because that's what's interesting to me. And John Cleese came to I.O. like last year, and um, I was so close to being able to get in and, and see it, but I had to leave town last minute for it, for a, to sub in for a job that I just had to take. But um, I, that's a regret. Last minute you know, run fair. It was yeah, no, it wasn't a run fair. It was some I don't even remember what it was. It, it, was, Damn it. it was so unremarkable Not to worth me it. that it's gone. No, it wasn't worth it at all. But but you know, I still have to pay rent. Yeah, money is a it's thing. It's the worst. It is. Um, comedy what what's comedy do for you is it a is it an escape is it sure. does it i mean it's it's a little bit uh, i i would put it as as whatever comedy does it, it i i don't think it's an escape i guess maybe maybe for me personally it's a lens through which i can view difficult things and that's not maybe not an escape but it is a way i can tackle something that's hard for me um to to try to 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 comprehend or to figure out it's but I wouldn't say I, I, it makes me run from anything. I, I would definitely say it makes it more tolerable, makes things that are hard more 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 tolerable. For me, I think it's it's a function of a lot of stuff. Firstly, like making people laugh is is an amazing thing, and especially like being with people who you are making laugh and who then are in turn making you laugh is just the best, you know, everyone, and that's universal to everybody, I think, you can sit around, and no matter how funny you think you are, no matter where you think you fall in this, you know, that that doesn't matter, what matters is if you got three people, and all of you crack each other up, it's the best, 
day. You know, it's the best thing you can do is sit around with those guys and play cards or, you know, just, just dick around and, and, and not do anything because it's still, it's just fun and it feels good. But making other people uh, laugh and, 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 and think and sort of process and like, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a, a great feeling too because comedy, it's not that it's a competition, but, but people know... You know, you know, something I've noticed it, it, from performing in front of folks is that everyone, not everyone, a lot of people are skeptical. When you get up and you're going to do something funny, I believe the amount of people in the audience who are supportive versus the amount of people that are like, okay, well, I've seen funny stuff before, so what do you got? Um, and, and being able to take those people and sort of surprise them and impress them and sort of be a step or two ahead of them because everyone's going to be making choices. Like if I say a joke, like if I, if I say... If I lead in, you know, with with a with a line, everyone's frantically trying to figure out what the punchline is. You know, if it, no matter what it was, like what, what? why does uh, why did the scarecrow win the Nobel Prize? Because he was outstanding in his field. <laughs> so, like, I say, why did the scarecrow win the Nobel Prize? In in va- everyone is immediately going. Oh, I was racking my brain. I was like, yeah, trying to figure out what it is. Wizard of Oz, something. Yeah, and so no matter if what I say is better than what you thought of, yeah. you will laugh. Yeah. If it's worse than what you thought of, you won't laugh. Okay, let's do one of those. What's worse than what you yeah. thought of? Um, what's brown and sticky? A stick. See? <laughs> you're making yourself laugh because you're proud of yourself. <laughs> was that the answer? Yeah, that's the right answer. <laughs> See? I was going to say poop, which yes. I think is more funny. No, yes. See? Now that's more funny because it's like that's just a better... Now that's deconstructed humor. You know, yeah. that's like a horse walks into a bar and we all shuffle away because this is inherently a very dangerous situation. <laughs> it's a non-joke. I thought we were going to do the anti-joke where it was like, yeah. and the bartender says, why the long face? And the horse says, my wife just got diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, that's that's great. Have you heard that one? Yeah, I have. You didn't laugh. Well, that's because it's about cancer. Yeah. At least okay. cancer isn't funny. Okay, okay. I'll no, edit I mean, this bit out. Yeah. Oh, good. So that's how this works? So <laughs> no, if you kidding. do something that's not funny, you can just edit it out? No, I'll leave it all over. Oh, leave man. It. I need to become a radio producer. <laughs> yes, you do. Make my own words, do whatever they want. Well, it's different when it's recorded and when it's live. It's true. Are we live? No, we're not live. Thank God. Um, <laughs> That'd be a fun trick to play Because I'm, I'm about guess. to say some real <laughs> racist <laughs> stuff. Let <laughs> 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 me take off my liberal man bun. Yeah, let me get my liberal man <laughs> I dressed up for the podcast. That was a stupid thing to do. Okay, um, we're going to take a picture after. Okay, so. thank God. It's good. Something goes um, Okay, so modern day Monty Python. I mean... Modern day Monty Python. Is there is like, there such a do thing? Do I think there? Yeah, I mean, I think totally. Like, there's a lot of. I mean, Super Hugo, I would say, con- con- continues in that grand tradition. Um, I think that we're at it. Like, I think it's impossible. N- Chicago is the best comedy in the world. I'm probably wrong about that, but I'm going to stick to it anyway. It's hyperbole, and I like that sort of thing. <laughs> um, but I've been to a couple other cities, and I've seen some. I've been to a couple, yeah, a couple other cities. You know, like, you know, no thing or two. Um, but no, I've looked. I've seen a lot of comedy, and and like Chicago is just the best for sort of the cutting edge stuff. Like like like, and the thing is, everyone here in the comedy scene is in the same scenario. You know, most people are are hilariously underpaid, if paid at all, to do it, and they're also the best. <laughs> so it's this weird. It's so competitive because everyone here is very good. Um, like very 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 uncomfortably good and and watching some of this stuff you know i wonder 
you know, when I first came here and started seeing comedy, I was like, well, have I ever been funny? Like, has anything I've ever done been even kind of where these guys are? And probably not, uh, and probably still not. But uh, <laughs> I try every day to get a little better, and I try to surround myself with people who are brilliant, and that's easy to do here. There is no, every time I think I'm like, hey, you know, I feel like I hit a new height, I now all that does is I see a new ceiling. Like it's just like now there's another level better than me that I just didn't even know existed, uh, you know, two months ago. And so being here, there's so many teams and so many comedians just doing astonishing work here. Um, and and that is, is I, I guess, I guess I'm influenced by all of, I mean, that sounds so crazy, but like my peers, you know, yeah. is are certainly my biggest influence. I forget where I heard it, but I definitely like the quote, you know, you find your idols and you turn them into your peers. And that's like what you, the best, and then you find their idols or you make new ones and turn them into your peers, you right. know? And, and so you just try to build up, climb this ladder, uh, not for fame or for money, but because you simply have to. There's this drive in you to be better all the time. Um, other than that, I'm trying to think of specific groups or specific things that are like on the national scale, but I can't really like like I don't I can't think of anything outside. Nobody of, equates to no to Monty group. Python. No, yeah. I mean especially in terms of they showed up and there were a bunch of Oxford guys, highly educated, just doing right. bizarre, yeah. weird <laughs> comedy weird. that's that's accessible to like so many people, yeah. despite how weird it is. Through, like it's just, like generations. Of yeah, people. it's it's bizarre, yeah. and, and yet it works. They hit a and, nerve for sure. And I think they also don't know. You know, you could probably talk to them, and I and I'm sure they've thought about it and talked about it a bunch. But like, I bet John Cleese is still pretty not sure how they got big. Yeah. You know, or or what happened. They just probably followed whatever impulses they had and whatever they wanted to do, and it just turned out it was what people wanted. For sure. Um. So yeah, in terms of modern stuff, I can't think of anything specific, but I, I would put the Chicago comedy community is, is yeah, astonishing absolutely. For, their, for, their, for their work. Um, and so then moving on to round off our list. Oh, do I have, am I? I think I you're do? at five. Oh, wait, really? Okay, wait. Do no. we count? No. Bare Naked Ladies, because yes. we didn't count Eminem. the Beatles. We can count the Beatles. Beatles. I don't care. My list Whatever. Okay. It's okay. We can be more than five, because we got, we got time. Oh, we have time? Yeah, we have Great. time. Okay. So um, we keep going. What, what, who else did you want to talk about? Um... Well, I would say so. The so something that I haven't so Monty Python touches on comedy music a little bit, mm-hmm. but but I'm trying to I was trying to think of what comedic, what comedy musicians. Can I guess? Me. <laughs> yes. Weird Al. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Definitely Weird Al. Um, because how could you avoid it? You know, as yeah. as a teenager sitting there, oh my God. looking for funny music, he was the only mainstream person mm-hmm. available. You know, so of so course. good too. Um, so good, brilliant. And well, who's I, and your I, favorite? What's your favorite like Weird Al album? Album. Weird album. Or song? I yeah, don't know um, if you like okay, listen to my album the, um, or music video. He did that. What's my favorite music video? Uh, no, he did that. He did that. Sure, yeah, brilliant. Um, but he did that. I like his original. I like the "That's Your Horoscope for Today" oh, yeah, song. Oh yeah, good one. But it's also a list song. I got a thing for list songs. Gilbert and Sullivan could be on my list of people that I. That I um that I'm influenced by because oh. they do that patter stuff and they do list songs. Well, I don't know who they are, or do I? Yeah, I'm sure you what do. Uh, they, they 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 wrote the Pirates of Penzance. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, and HMS Pinafore and mm-hmm. all these other. They were British folks from the late or well mid 1800s writing. Okay. Writing, you know, for the 
they were sort of the erudite comedy right. writings, but they they sort of they're their patter songs. The I am the very model of a modern major general of information vegetable animal. That's that. Yeah. Um, and that's probably one of the most parodied songs of all time. Um, there's another guy who influenced me a bunch named Tom Lehrer. Speaking of of parodies, because he wrote he wrote a version of I am the very model of a modern major general. That's all the elements on the periodic table he was, oh, a, he was a scientist yeah, turned, you know antimony arsenic aluminum selenium uh he was he was a scientist turned turned musician and and still i mean was he's still alive mm-hmm. and teaching um and 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 he released two uh, he was like a he exploded crazy popular for 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 a few years and then was like no i'm too big i'm a hermit i don't i'm not an extrovert i'm a guy <laughs> who just likes to teach and yeah. i'm gonna go back to teaching so he did Fair and enough. you know and he gives apparently at the start of his classes every year he gives his students like it's like you have 10 minutes to ask me about my music career and then we will never speak of it ever again oh my god um and I'm not going to enroll in wherever he teaches, probably Brown, somewhere prestigious, right. I'm sure. I'm not going to enroll in whatever he teaches for 10 minutes of talking about his music career. <laughs> um, but but I, I, I have thought about it. Um, yeah, so so Tom Lehrer for sure. I mean, as I got older, like Flight of the Concords was showing up, as was Lonely Island, you know, oh, yeah. doing doing parody rap and stuff like that I was into. Um, everyone asked if I was influenced by Bo Burnham, and I wasn't because I was enraged that he was becoming huge and I was sitting around in Stevens Point trying to get myself uh, get myself into a diabetic alcohol coma um, <laughs> um, through as many different beers as I could consume in an hour. Um, um, so he was off doing his thing and being yeah. great, but, but I wasn't influenced by him very much. I did admire his work. He's a contemporary. Um, sure, yeah, we're peers. Yeah, Me and Bo Burnham, two <laughs> peers in the same peer pod. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so, so the, so the, in more recent years, probably my most recent influence is this guy named Tim Minchin, who's from Australia, um, but who lives in London, I believe. And he's probably, he's probably the best comedy musician ever. And so I, largely as a genre, I despise comedy music. I think a lot of it's lazy and a lot of it's bad. And a lot of it's either you're a good musician who's not very funny or you're a good comedian who's not very good at playing music. So why are you trying? Right. Um, it's my same problem with musicals. It's like this is a very beautiful moment that is now being ruined by somebody singing for some reason, um, <laughs> um, which is a controversial opinion for a guy who writes these things. Yeah. I've written a few musicals and I desperately try to avoid ever doing that. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so Tim mentions this Australian songwriter, um, um, very just too smart, uncomfortably smart, and and just listening to him, you go, wow, that's brilliant. And he sort of writes in the same way I do, but better, um, and and very. Uh, he sort of takes a stand for intellectual honesty mm-hmm. is like his his hill that he's going to die on <laughs> where he talks about just how um, valuable it is to, to, to how can you throw away science? How can you throw away reason? How can you throw away logic? He lays into, you know, religion pretty, well, not religion, organized religion pretty heavily. He lays into like homeopathy and, and any sort of, anything that's, that's sort of what I would consider hippie, you know, he also lays into sort of, any any pseudoscience, any anti-intellectualism, he's just eating, he's just gobbling up with these crazy dense songs that have more words in them than than I than my songs do, which is difficult. Um, and he's a phenomenal piano player, arranger, and writer. And he just wrote, so he he's written he wrote Matilda the Musical, um, which is big now. Oh, yeah. And then he wrote really big in London. Yes, really big in London. And then he wrote Groundhog's Day, the musical, which is also really big in London, uh-huh. and now coming to the United States. I think both of them are here. Maybe I don't know. I don't keep up. But he would be sort of the most modern thing that's making me go, oh, maybe. Oh, also Lil Dicky. <laughs> I love Lil Dicky. 
That guy's hysterical. He's written a couple musicals too, right? Has he? No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you don't even know who this is. I, Lil Dicky? Okay. All right, sure. All right. I'm just making no, sure. No, I've heard of him. Yeah, you should look up all of his stuff. He's very funny. Um, but he's just is like- Is he supposed to be funny? Yes. He's trying to be funny. I hope so. Otherwise, he's a very bad rapper. But okay. no, he's 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 really funny. He's like this, he's a, he's a, he's like a upper middle class Jewish white dude trying okay. to, trying to be like, hey, how did I get to yeah. be a rapper? What's going on here? I'm going to, and he's, he wrote, he wrote like a couple really funny tunes and he, he's, he's, he's very funny and sort of also, once again, a very talented rapper, which, which helps your brand if you're also good at it, which is the only way you can do comedy music is if you're also, if you're competent as a player. Have you listened to the new podcast, the comedy music podcast? No, should I? Uh, are you about it's to? It's so good. Are you on it? Are you? No. Okay, this isn't a sell. It's on right. book or off it's book. Off, off book. book. Yeah, it's um. Uh, pen. Okay, yeah. Well, I can remember. It's two on words. the Earwolf network. Earwolf. Yeah. So hello from the Magic Tavern. Exactly. Oh God, so good. Those guys are great. But off book, it's with um. Let's see who who they are. The people off book. Uh, Paul F. Tompkins is on episode one, of course. Sure. Um, so it's off book, the improvised musical. Jessica McKenna and Zach Reno. Cool. Do you know uh, there? No. It's great. It's All right. Really, I'll really check good. it out I'll, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Send that to you. Um, so hold on. I had another thing yes. that I was cycling back to. Okay. The final. So so all of those I would consider influences, but the first comedy music influence for me was a guy named Jonathan Colton. Um who once again followed this track that apparently is attractive to me where he was a scientist, uh, a computer scientist specifically, until his like mid-30s, and then he went, you know what, I hate my life, I'm going to write music. And he wrote a song a week for a year and got huge doing it. Um, wrote what or kind rearranged. Of, like what kind of songs? What, um, what kind of comedic? It's, it w- I would consider it nerdy. Okay. But but he wrote, he wrote sort of these songs that are like... Um, you know, they're they're like just about weird. He sort of came at songwriting from like a sideways perspective. Like he wrote this song called I Crush Everything, which is not especially funny, but it's a love song from a giant kraken to a bunch of boats where every time it tries to reach up and make contact, it destroys them. And it just like is like miserable and lonely. That's and it's so like this sweet. beautiful song that's kind of funny, but more like, oh, that's actually upsetting. And it's about a giant squid. Yeah. Um, and But he wrote a few that got pretty popular. He wrote this song. Have you ever seen the IT crowd? Yes. Uh, he wrote the theme for or the oh. or not the IT no I'm sorry not the IT correct he wrote a, he, no, he did not write that he wrote <laughs> Code Monkey which is um was the theme to an American attempt at an IT crowd okay. that wasn't very good but okay. it's this uh, song about a guy who just sits in programs all day um, and falls in love with the receptionist but she just ignores him oh. um yeah like a classic timeless tale <laughs> um. But he wrote a lot of stuff, and so he was an influence firstly because he wasn't a musician who then just sort of became one. Well, he was his whole life, but he sort of, he felt this calling and he abandoned a pretty good job. Yeah. You know, he's computer programming. He was making a lot of money. Um, He abandoned it to make practically no money, and he released everything he's ever written with two exceptions fall under the Creative Commons license, and he deliberately releases it so that he never has to, like, chase other musicians around for like like he never makes any money off of his music yeah. basically he makes so he's it like up. chance the rapper he's he's a lot like chance <laughs> right next the door rapper. To chance. yes they're two very similar people um <laughs> but no he he the only so he wrote he wrote the theme for a, a two for the video game portal as well as the second one portal okay. two he wrote sort of the, the quintessential song which is how he ca- he catapulted into sort of nerd famous and um so i really admire his work because he's he's he he hits that he's not that funny but he's a good musician 
and he's very all of his songs are very human and very like sort of based in real characters and like even if they don't make you laugh they will make you sort of it's sort of like well this is cool this is just an interesting take i've never heard someone write music from this perspective of just this weird thing he's he wrote a song about it's called shop vac and the chorus hold on let me see if i can remember it um so he goes it's just um if you need me i'll be downstairs with the shop vac and you can call but i probably won't hear you because it's loud with the shop vac on and you'll be okay because you'll be upstairs with the tv and you can cry and i probably won't hear you because it's loud with the shop vac on so it's a song about like marital dysfunction in the suburbs and the whole thing is just about how he and his wife are slowly drifting apart and they don't know what to do about it Aww. but it's you know it's sweet funny. yeah yeah, um, yeah i guess but yeah so so just a cool way of writing um so he would be my my number one influence for getting into sort of funny music because even though his stuff wasn't that funny it struck me as very genuine which is what i try to write when i do stuff yeah so so looking forward at the career of Arnie Parrott. Oh, God. What, what, what are you going for? A combination of all these? Yeah. I mean, I mean, ideally, I don't, I don't, for me, career and my life and my, what I find fun and interesting are, are intertwined. Yeah. It's like, it's like, I can't, so, so all I need from a career is enough money to continue to do my career. Like, does that make sense? I'm not looking necessarily for fame or notoriety, but I'd like to be able to make a comfortable living doing what I do so I can continue to do it and have maybe a family or move to a nicer apartment or maybe not eat whatever it is that I eat, which is by and large terrible. Um, five so, shots so of espresso. Five shots of espresso in a cup. Um, <laughs> I, I shouldn't even just skip the cup. Just set me just under the espresso machine and I'll just suck on the thing. <laughs> Ugh, that's a horrible image. Just a guy crawling behind the counter just okay, wrapping his okay, mouth okay. around the bottom of the Starbucks thing. Burning, burning. everybody. He's <laughs> blistered, but he doesn't Starbucks. care. He's yeah. just so just happy, finally um, feeling alive. Um, so, yes. so that—that's something you're looking for. Yeah. So, I mean, mostly I just want to continue, and and I guess my dream would be able to just produce and do like have enough. Like, if I ever do make a bunch of money, I'm just gonna put it right back into where it is right now. You know, I try to help other comedians and help other musicians sort of produce their work on a grander scale. Um, really you know what I, I I'm big into collaboration and I'm huge into finding people who like to work and and, and to, to meld styles in ways that are is that are weird I worked on a project for a little while that I that I created earlier this year it was called collaboratory and it's on my SoundCloud and it's all just like I met with a different Chicago songwriter every week and I had a list of Facebook suggestions that just people wrote down anything they could think of that they want a song to be about and then this person I sat down on a Friday and wrote the song in one sitting and then tried to fully produce it over the weekend and have it released by Monday. The schedule never quite worked like that due to all of us being a little hectic. But um, I did four of them and then got a bunch of work and couldn't continue. That's but a I'm great restarting podcast. soon. Well, I mean, now that I have access to this studio, because I can come back here whenever I want, because right, I stole you're your badge. Idea. That's right. I'm going to knock you out in the elevator. We've good. established this. Cool. It's on tape. Uh, crud. <laughs> I mean, this was a good bit. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, so I don't know. You know, I, I I would love to do that. So so the idea actually was I wanted to come back to make it into a podcast mm-hmm. later by bringing everyone who I worked with back and doing an episode where we just talked about the process. Yeah. Like rather than I didn't have the time to like record our whole process. Right, and then edit and, it all. And, and, and also blah, blah, blah. like we were just 
moving so quick, the idea of having a secondary goal of trying to be clear to an audience just seemed like it would be terrible and disingenuous right. to what we, our pro, we were trying to create. And I think a lot of the work speaks for itself in that it's all great. It's all really cool tunes that are that are that are interesting and diverse and and, and speak to whoever I it's you can hear me in all of them mm -hmm. but whoever I worked with you can hear them just as much which I love is that. which is really cool yeah and it was I was it was a very uh, fan it was a fantastic process for me for sure um, um who who makes you laugh the hardest right now in stand-up what okay so can I answer that not in stand-up yeah not in stand-up can I answer who makes me laugh the hardest because it's actually my fifth influence as okay, well yeah and we're about to get so, so I, I in general try to avoid talking about my, not talking about, but I could cite my family as an influence 100% yeah. of the time. Yeah. Like, easily, my family is my influence, you know. But but to for a standout sort of person, I have to talk about my sister because she's four years younger than me. Her name is Claire. She's in Madison right now. Or maybe she's in Iceland. It's hard to tell. You know, she just goes on these trips I know the type, you yeah. know. Yeah, so she's just gone, but but so she makes me laugh the hardest of anyone ever. Why? Um, because she's very funny. I don't. I, I. I don't. She's incredibly funny, and because of some sort of gen, you know, I don't know. We've been friends for twenty five years. You know, yeah. like like so she, like we just we get each other in a way that's that's like she's always on me about something, and I'm like we're capable of keeping up with each other very better than anyone else in our lives ever mm -hmm. will be able to. So we will just give each other shit and just consistently be telling the other person you're not as smart as you think you are you're not as good you're not as funny sounds a lot like yet. my brother so but, <laughs> yeah. but we do it sort of in this in this faux angry loving competitive mm -hmm. sort of way but she is is so funny and so good and she's also um the reason i wanted to put her as an influence was because uh and i don't know if she knows this so maybe i won't send this to her because i certainly don't want her to become she's going to hold this over my head i already yeah. know it but it's worth it because i should say it once in my career totally. that she's important um they can play it back at your yeah. funeral oh or... my god hers hopefully <laughs> um uh, as my eulogy because uh, i'm not going to show up right. uh so she also i would credit her with making me a feminist and an ally because I don't think I was for, um, you know, a good portion of my early 20s. I wasn't, it's not that I was actively working against sort of that sort of thing, but, you know, I'm, I'm a white guy and like it's just inherently difficult to sort of see your own privilege and see your own stuff. And my sister was so patient in explaining to me like, hey, here's how modern sexism is like it's no longer like stay in the kitchen woman with no shoes like it's a lot more subversive and so she patiently and without any rage or anything like just by being who she was and by sort of offering up a few phrases like forced me to sort of realize hey you're doing this wrong you know and so she pushed me to be an ally to to, uh, sort of as a feminist first and then I think that also pushed me in, in the direction of trying to be an ally to everybody because once you see it in one you know one group it's impossible not to pay attention to it for for pretty much everyone you meet or see and so she uh, is also one of the few people that I'll send work to that I'm not like like I send my work to a lot of people when I'm proud of it when I'm like hey I've got a draft I really like but she's one of the few people I'll send something to where I'm like I don't like this and I don't know what to do. And she'll usually have some pretty smart critique about it. She's a good, she's a great storyteller. So her, the way she writes and the way she she 
um, does that has been several times in my life. I've written a story, I send it to her, and she goes, this is really cool. And then she'll offer some crazy nuanced feedback that is just like, okay, well, that's just so much, of course. Yeah. And no one else would call me out on it. You right. know, no one else would say this except for her. So she um, is an influence both creatively and sort of geopolitically, socially, and like like just sort of being, you know, like sort of waking me up and 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 this is you know I I'd like to think it was it was a pretty long time ago when I wasn't doing a great job but but every every sort of every time I've done a good job since then is is her totally. victory you know and so and and now every person I've attempted to argue with on the internet is is her victory as well <laughs> which I do a lot of oh do a lot of that. is it worth it for you you know yeah it actually is because because my new style of arguing is not emotionally based it's mm-hmm. fact based and I don't swing in with any sort of you can't do that you can't talk about it all I do is try to correct statistics yeah so my new way of arguing is being like hey you said this and actually the census data says this thanks see ya bye and that's it like like <laughs> yeah. and that way there's no emotional thing and then people probably usually it gets ignored but then someone who's reading the thread might go oh interesting I'll click this follow this link and maybe it'll change a yeah. mind I don't know it doesn't matter but 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 I you know I'd hope to think it's doing a little bit of good for sure so she would be my fifth influence, right. Claire, Claire in Iceland. Shout out, mm-hmm. Iceland slash Madison. Pick one. <laughs> I'm trying to get her to move to Chicago. Did you she hire at WGN? <laughs> She's a great technical writer. Oh, and a very talented. All right, this is tornado. I'm pitching my sister. <laughs> That's job. sweet. It, um, well, you know, I can't take these jobs because I'm terrible at them. But she's actually she's the responsible, intelligent what is she, one. What is she? She works for a medical company as a. She's a technical writer and a. I don't know. She's on a. She writes manuals and and, cool. and uh, is a, let's see, what's the other word other than technical writer? Copywriter. Sure. Yeah. Okay. That kind of thing. Cool. Uh, she does a lot of that, but she's 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 a, she's a, creative problem solver for sure. Yeah. So she's just a little more. Lots of attention for detail. Yes. Yeah. Very Which good. Which I struggle with. <laughs> well, me too. <laughs> and I get to watch her be know. good at it. Exactly. Damn it! Um, where can people find out about your stuff? All um, your different things that you do. You know, I have I have a website that's www.atptunes.com, which is sort of where I get most of my professional things on. Um, but then I have a SoundCloud that you can you can look at, and that has a nice selection of sort of all my work, varying from uh covers and like like i try to do rearrangements of cool tunes and 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 things that i like and inspire me as well as the collaboratory thing as well as some of my ren fair work as well as some of the professional stuff i've done for for scoring and for theatrical things so the soundcloud has most of my work and it's available for streaming and for free which is always a good thing i think i have one or two tracks available to buy but you know you don't have to like live your best life you know don't spend it yeah don't spend it on music spend it on espresso seriously 99 cents gets you about half a shot at starbucks (laughs) does not sound like a good no it's not worth it at all my god i've been had (laughs) this is where i realized that i'm a corporate shill here in this show in this chair in wgn studios well i'm so glad i've been here to experience that Uh, and guide you oh man Oh, Thank boy. you so much for joining yeah, me. Yeah, my pleasure. I'll come back really next fun. time and do a better job. Let's no, just... you were awesome. Perfect. Do, is there anything else you want to play while we have these great mics? I'll just, I can just play music and you can... Do it. Uh, I'll yeah, just, go I'll ahead. Just play, 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 play a little ditty. How about... Um, oh, man. You want to hear something real inappropriate? Always. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> this Wait, will this go on the internet? Yeah. Uh, great. Um... 
<laughs> this is real inappropriate. So this is a song I wrote. Oh man, I I'm playing this for you because I can't play it at the Renaissance okay, Fair. Got it's it. actually outside of. It's certainly contractually I'm not allowed to. Um, <laughs> let me figure out how to play it. I haven't played it in a while. Hold on. That'll do. Okay, so um, this is I, I, a friend of mine and I created. A friend of mine created a character named Brant Brantley, who's a country music all-star. Right? He's a conservative Christian, right-wing Republican American male, except he's also in the closet super gay with his songwriting partner and guitarist, mm-hmm. who I played in this show. The guitarist's name was Baby. And um, so in an, in an attempt to, because he's, you know, who he is with his conservative Christian right-wing Republicanism, all of his fans would be freaking out, you know, if they knew this. So he wrote a song to, to talk about how not gay he is. And so this is, this is probably the most inappropriate thing I've ever written, and it contains no inappropriate words. Got it. Okay. Ready. So this is actually radio playable. Okay. I don't know. I have to do it in an accent. So it goes, God bless. Well, that's not the right key. Hold on. God bless this country. Order. That'll do. Okay. So it goes, God bless this country, and God bless the border. God bless about half of the people inside Cause they try to take my guns And if they try to take my country I'm gonna show them a little bit of my American pride Cause they can't tell me what's up above And they can't tell me who I can love That's why me and baby That's why we're gonna take them out from behind that's why he's packing his junk in the back of my flatbed Ford. We're oiling up on Jaeger, letting no glory soar. We're two consenting adults doing what's blessed by the Lord. Mad as hell, kind of drunk, better watch your back door. Now Obama's an Obummer, so I'm drinking in my Hummer. Man, I love the taste of Southern comfort. And I love my guns and I love my life. Sweet God above, I love my wife and I'd hate to see him her get hurt. Now the government is trying to betray the American dream and the patriot way. That's why me and baby, that's why we seem so god darn afraid. That's why I'm cleaning off my mud flaps down on all fours. Baby's filling up my backseat with bullets and cores. You'd be amazed at what it fits with proper leverage and force. Man as hell, kind of drunk coming in your back door. Cause I love peanuts, Cracker Jacks, and some good old ball play. And I love different Caucasian male opinion, sure. And I love blow. As in uh, cocaine Now the government's trying to strip my rights To leave me naked and afraid That's why I'm down on my knees Ready to pray Hoping that the spirit gon' blow me away Cause Jesus died for the American way So God bless the U.S. of A. God bless the U.S. I'm gay. Yeah, I'm gay. <laughs> there you go. So that's my inappropriate song. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I never get to play that. Where'd that come from? The character, I guess. 
oh, just a friend of mine wrote it. And and so I so he wrote he wrote one little it was just a blackout sketch with that guy in yeah. it. Yeah. And then I was like, this is so funny. Let me write this. So I wrote that song. Yeah. After hearing about that character, and so then we put this little like mini show up, and my friend played Brant. And so he would just like it was such a funny bit because I'm the guitarist. Yeah. And so like two executives like Brant's sitting there smoking a cigarette and drinking some Jack Daniels, and two uh, record execs come in and they're like, Brant, we have got to talk about this image thing. Like you, like everyone is leaving your brand. Everyone's freaking out. And he goes, Are you two tits just gonna walk in here and not even say hi to baby? <laughs> like, oh, uh, hello, hello, baby. There you go. Now what are you two yammer John about? <laughs> and uh, so so and he was just so vulgar and yeah. he just there are so many things. Even I'm I'm not comfortable saying these words yeah. right now mm-hmm. because there's a beautiful microphone in front of me and they will <laughs> melt should I say them. Um, so yeah, so that's there. Uh, that was literally for you because I knew you. You know you would never get to hear me do that song. Yeah, because wow. I can't play it at the Renaissance. Thank fair. you for sharing. And you're so yeah. Welcome. You'd probably get canned. You know I would get a warning. You get a warning? You, know, you haven't had a warning yet? I've had warnings, but not in a while, in a year or two. So thank you so much for joining me. Um, oh, yeah. It was great to be here. Really great to have you. Oh, and yeah. What fun. look forward to seeing what you come up with next. Yeah. Well, when, when I'm when I'm still in the same spot a year <laughs> from now, still <laughs> unsuccessful, still working my way through, I'd love to be on your podcast again to, to say the exact same things that I said this time. <laughs> awesome. As long as you take 10 shots. Of espresso before. 10 shots. Oh, of espresso. <laughs> I figure if I'm, because next year I'll be turning 30. I'll be 30 at this time. Oh, damn. What? I mean, great. Oh, my God. You're like, what, 14? Um, <laughs> and a half. Oh, 14 and a half. It's so amazing that I let you do this job. Um, uh, by 30, if I'm still in the same place, I will be doing different shots in the morning. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, of like, uh, what is it, grass? Super grass. Super grass? Is this something you 14 year olds talk about? Not like weed, but like. No, I know not like a grass shot. That that would be like a quintessential, like, like you were born in 1999, so you call (laughs) weed a grass shot. (laughs) That is actually pretty accurate. No, you you know. (laughs) No, I actually genuinely have no idea what you're talking about. That's where we end the show. So thanks for coming (laughs) out. I'm going to go Google that. And thank you. My phone's over there. Bye. I'll see you. Bye. This is Lisa FM. Moon River wider than a mile. I'm crossing you in style someday. Dream maker, you heartbreaker, wherever. You're going, I'm going your way Two drifters off to see the world There's such a lot of world to see We're after the same Waiting round the bend, my huckleberry friend, Moon River, and I all of a thunder it spell like.
Arnie Parrott. Yeah. You wrote that one, right? I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah, that's I'm me. I'm totally kidding. Have okay. you seen Breakfast at Tiffany's? <laughs> one of my best works. <laughs> it's amazing how you did that like before you were even a, in this world. Well, one of my other influences is uh, time traveling. Yes. Um, so that was a big thing for me. 